Welcome to a new episode of NY Just Fans with host Davin and Kyle. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Just Fans Podcast. Also like the Facebook page, NY Just Fans, as we come to y'all with another episode. Very, I'm very, very excited right now because <laughs> I, got, I got the man with me right now, uh, with us right now, Daniel from Jets Guru. This has been a long time coming, but how you feeling today? Good. Uh, I'm in the process of moving. Um, well, actually, I'm, I'm done moving now, so I'm just ever there's boxes everywhere, just putting some stuff away, uh, catching up on some jet stuff, writing articles, getting ready for Thursday show. Yeah, congratulations on the move. And, you know, I know it's been a long time coming for, you know, not just yourself, but for Krista and the other members of Jets Guru. So, you know, congratulations also to you all success as well. Um, now let's I guess let's get into Marcus May real quick. I know it's been um a lot of talks between Marcus May and Joe Douglas. You know, hopefully hopefully a deal will get done soon. So Daniel, how how important it is for the Jets for JD to get this deal done? Well, I mean, if you look at the Jets before they got Marcus May and Jamal Adams, how bad uh, they were bleeding on the back end of their secondary just giving up huge chunk plays. Uh, that was prior. And then uh, the other name escapes me. Um, uh, Gilchrist. Gilchrist. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, tight <laughs> hips priors. I used to call them uh, a poor man, <laughs> a poor man's Jamal Adams. Uh, when Jamal came, I was super excited and I was surprised that they drafted two safeties like that uh, kind of back to back. And, but I understood why, because it was such a, a huge hole for the jets. And when I saw them on the field together at the same times, uh, same time, Adams and May, uh, I just got a sense that May was right there with Adams, even though Adams was getting all the attention for the simple fact that May actually is a real safety. He plays the position. Uh, not only can he come up and make tackles, uh, put pressure on the quarterback if need be. Uh, he's also more of a center fielder. Uh, than Jamal Adams and he actually can play the position and you saw that this year he made some outstanding interceptions uh, he made some outstanding plays um, and he has to be rewarded for that um, because the only way this all works this whole culture change for the New York Jets the only way any of this works is if you absolutely believe that this place is doing something and when you're putting in that hard work and effort day in and day out and then they trade you uh, they let you go. Um, it's going to, it's going to create a, a, a trail, uh, let's say, and other free agents are going to look at that and say, mm, other young players are going to come up. And, mm. and when you look at a guy like Robert Sala, you look at a guy like Douglas, it's all gas, no breaks and this whole family type of attitude. Let's get it. Like you got to reward guys who get it. And Marcus is absolutely one of those guys. He's gotten better each and every year of his career. For some reason, people put the injury bug on him because he missed a couple games, and I don't understand why. Uh, he's been healthy the last few years, and this is how it goes. You have to keep some of your own. Uh, you can't let everyone go. Uh, I understand why Darnold need to be uh, gone. I understand why Jamal Adams couldn't be paid what he was going to get paid, and we see the reasons why the Jets won that trade is because that's what happens with safeties. Yeah, you can put up a lot of sacks, but how much are you going to change the game? Uh, I don't right. think he's going to change it that much. And so to me, uh, Marcus May is a guy that he ha he's going to solidify the back end of Robert Sala's defense. And you have to have him there because Davis is too young and everyone else is just a rotational piece there who's uh, not named May. 
Right. Not as filled as if um it's just crazy. It's just crazy that, you know, Marcus May has to has to go through this. I think if Mac was still on there, maybe Jamal Adams probably would have got that extension and Oh Lord, who knows what would have happened? God bless, God bless us for not having Mac no more. But I just feel that Marcus May, uh, he's 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 one of those cornerstones, and I just feel that you know Marcus May needs to be with this team, especially with the young young guys that we have at cornerbacks and safety. You know, just to have that leadership at that at the um the cornerbacks and the safeties. You know that it it will help a lot. Um, what's your what's your feeling, Kyle? Um, yeah, I'm pretty much on the same accord as you guys. Like, I really see the importance of having someone of his caliber back there, you know, um, playing that center fielder, but also being able to come up and play the run. Um, from, I guess, from what I'm hearing, um, I'm not sure if the 15 million a year price tag is something that, um, I would want to give him, but I can definitely understand, Ooh. you know, him asking. So uh, hopefully they can find some middle ground on this and, and get a long-term deal done. And I, and, and I think when you look at it too, you have to create some kind of legacy, you know, like the jets have really no legacy. Like when you look at it, mm. we were, we remember guys like Vinny Testaverde and Chad Pennington, like nobody knows who these people are. And that's because mm. we haven't won and that's because we haven't kept guys. And that's because we let guys go. And that's because we haven't done the right things as an organization. And, you know, a guy like Jamal Adams, I understand it's tough because not only are you going to pay Jamal Adams to play linebacker, but then you're also going to have to find a safety too. Uh, and so with, with Marcus, he kind of just is what you need a safety out there. And you have a young football team with a lot of guys who aren't getting paid a lot of money uh, and this is the time to really start doing these types of things, uh, because in year two, three, four, uh, a few of these guys are going to start leaving, um, especially if the Jets have success and a lot's going to be put on Zach Wilson's uh, shoulder. And, you, and this is the time to keep legacy pieces like this. You know, a guy like Marcus May stays for another three, four years on this team. That's a li- that's a lifetime Jet. You know, you look at the the, the list of Jets that and over the last. 10 to 15 years, who can you really remember? uh, Curtis Martin. Uh, I mean, that is really about it for us. And that's the tail end. That's the tail end when you look at it for a lot of these youngsters that are coming up. You know, Curtis Martin was still kind of when I was when I was a little bit younger. And so, I mean, yeah, (laughs) that's got to do something about that. I think it starts with Marcus. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to agree with you on that one because we definitely had a hell of a lot of players <laughs> between Curtis Martin time and now, and it's just ridiculous. And speaking of that, um, the latest on Richard Sherman is that he's talking with the Seahawks and the 49ers. Um, I, I spoke to somebody about this last night. Uh, I said if Sherman was to come in, he would come in basically not just as a starter, but to help like mentor the young, the young cornerbacks. And he was man, basically, you know, which I, I couldn't debate. You right, he's right when he says, um, you know, Richard Sherman could still play. Um, I don't know how much, but he might still want the money. Do you think that's do you do you see that? And not just seeing that, but also um do you think he'll just rather go to a winning team instead of even trying to sign with the Jets? 
I'm not really sure because I'm not in his head, you know, so I don't know what he's thinking. Uh, but in two different ways, I could see why and why you wouldn't want to be with the Jets. And you mentioned one of them, you know, going to a contender at this age. But if you think about it, how much playing time are, are on a contender? You're probably going to have a young corner or someone who's a little bit younger than Richard at the one. At the two, you're probably going to have, again, another young guy. And then, you know, Richard's not – you're not going to put him in the slot. So, I mean, it's just one of those things where you're looking at it. How much playing time is he really going to get on a contender? I think he's made his money. He's won a Super Bowl. I think, again, he could come in with a guy that he talks glowingly about. It would be a, a seamless transition. Uh, it seems like the Jets have gotten their organizational tier structure. And I think that he would be such a perfect fit for – what the Jets need right now, because that's what the Jets need in their secondary is they need a veteran presence, not just a veteran, you know, like Pierre Desir comes in. He's played a few years in the league, but that's not what you need. What you need is a guy who's won a Super Bowl, a guy who knows what it takes. The more guys like that you get in teaching your younger guys, even just a little bits here and there, it's going to matter because the Jets are really green at corner. And I told people, I said, listen, you can't, I tell them all the time, you can't fix Rome in a day and the Jets were never Rome. This is going to be an operation where it's going to take a little bit and Jet fans aren't used to it because we have never in my lifetime as, you know, 36 years old, I've never seen a Jets team really rebuild. It's always like they catch a little bit of fire and their defense is good. So they bring in a veteran or they make a trade. And that's usually how they've operated for most of the time that I've been a Jet fan. This is a real true rebuild. Like you sucked last year. You won two games. You were awful. And you were lucky enough to win those two games, in my opinion, that you got you. They went on some little roll where Sam, <laughs> where Sam Darnold threw for 220 yards and the defense was out, outstanding. And it's like, but they really were to me worse than Jacksonville, in my personal opinion, and the way that they played, uh, the way that they executed. And I just, to me, you look at this team and this team needs a veteran presence that can come in at the corner. You got Marcus May in the back and you got Mr. Mosley there in the middle. And then you've got a host of young bulls on the defensive line ready to go. Um, I think, you know, when you look at this, it's just a no brainer. And, and I don't, and so for, for me, the only thing that would hold up in my opinion, Richard from signing with the jets is again, what you mentioned, does he want to go to a contender or maybe he doesn't want to look like he's just settling for the Jets right away uh, because, uh, you know, he's kind of an image guy in a sense too. Uh, how, he, how he wants to be perceived. He's a very intelligent uh, and, and outspoken person. And he's always kind of, you remember when he had that little beef with Darrell Revis for even a little bit saying he was better than Revis and this guy. Yeah. And, that guy. <laughs> and so like, I, I think, you know, at the end of his career, you saw Darrell, uh, win a Super Bowl. And and I think with Richard, I think he wants to be cemented on his way out, not just be a guy who fades out and just settles for the Jets. And then if he stinks it up here, you know, is the jobs are kind of going to disappear for him. So I, I'm not really sure how he's looking at it, but if he's healthy, I, I think it's a great fit. Go right ahead, Kyle. Um, as I said, for me, uh, I would definitely understand, you know, the, the signing being uh, the veteran guy that he is. And with one of the key factors that's um, coming into this season, which is, um, that comes with uh, Robert Sala is 
the whole culture change. Like Sherman is definitely uh, a presence that if you bring him into the locker room, he'll definitely change a, a negative culture um, team, you know, and change it into the right direction. So I definitely see it. Um, um, as far as the the fit, though, um, I'm not sure because um, how, I don't know how we would play him. Because like um, how Danny was saying, with um, contender teams, you would have a legit um, one, if anything, and maybe a solid two as your two corners. But um, Sherman coming here, I don't know how you wouldn't start him. And I don't know with the, the system being in place with the new players, how that might affect him. Like, I don't know um, if, you know, that type of situation is something that he would want to be a part of. Um, on the other side, though, uh, with him and the presence that he is, I can definitely see him um, from an outside of football standpoint, you know, bumping up his image a little bit with being in the New York market. Because, you know, that we have one, you know, if not the biggest market in, in any sports that there is. So I can see that being a plus for him. But in terms of the system fit, I'm not sure because of, like I said, the present personnel that we have on the team. At the end of the day, it's going to be very tough uh, for Sherman. Even if he retires, um, I, I feel like he still had a great career, fantastic career, Hall of Fame career. So it's all up to him at the end of the day. So, you know, when we figure out more, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, so well, one, know, last last... Thing, uh, one last thing, one last thing on, yeah, one last thing on Sherman. No, I think he would be an excellent fit, even scheme wise. I mean, we have to remember what Sala has been doing. I mean, he is becoming almost what Greg Williams was, you know, as he spends more time in the league and now being a head coach, he's incorporated some different things. You know, he's leaned on the four, three under the cover three zone. There's like a bunch of things that he does. Uh, and then the wide nine uh, base that he does. So, I mean, he, he could do a bunch of different things. And I think Sherman having the understanding of those elements from Seattle and then moving here to the 49ers, I think absolutely they could do that. And then, you know, when you get those home run hitters, obviously, you know, you would rotate, uh, and, and get some more athleticism on that. But I think, you know, in a cover, in a zone, I, I, I believe that he could still be very, very valuable, especially if you're getting pressure up front. Because that's the thing, right? If the Jets aren't getting pressure up front, then it doesn't matter. Like, you know, uh, Sherman or any of the guys we have on the roster, we're just going to get scorched because the talent isn't there. But if the Jets can get that pressure up front and really be a hard time to deal with, it's going to make Sherman so much more better because it's going to give him that little bit, of, little bit more time to hang on to a receiver, to bump a guy, to just get in his lane before the guy takes off on a broken route on uh, Sherman and some of these young guys who are still learning the technique, who are still learning the defense. And so, you know, I just think it would be an excellent fit. I mean, when you look at who's really available, who's left and what they could bring uh, to the, to the jets, I think it's just, it would be a home run veteran sign. It would be low risk, high reward. Um, it, it would be another teacher on the field. Remember when Rex Ryan came, he didn't just bring one guy. He brought a couple people with him. You know, he brought Leonard, he brought Scott, 
uh, I think it was McDougal on the line. I'm, I'm trying to figure figure that name. Oh my gosh, 10, 10 plus years ago, last time I saw some, <laughs> some, some winning, uh, getting old, but um, yeah, I mean, just to have all those levels, you have a guy that's either a very talented or understands your scheme. I think it would be super beneficial, um, but we'll, I mean, we'll see what they wind up doing. Uh, um, but I uh, mean, they need to definitely bring in at least one, one more corner here. Yeah, yeah. I, can, I, can, I can see what you're saying, but, but when I was saying in terms of, I guess, in terms of the fit, wasn't particularly saying like the system that's being ran, it's more or less the, the personnel that we have now to run it. You know, it would have been different, let's say, if the system was already in place, like just in my eyes, if the system was already in place and these guys were maybe like two or three years in the system, and now you're bringing in Sherman to like pretty much put the icing on the cake for these guys. That's where I'm saying, like, I don't know if Sherman wants to be put in a situation where he has all these, you know, young right. um, minds that, you know, are learning the system. And now he's putting himself in that situation to now try to be productive. That's more what I was. Speaking oh, to. yeah, that that I can agree with for sure. That would be one of the hang ups like I was saying you know, why he maybe hasn't been signed yet. And there's reports that he wants to sign with, with other teams who can give him, uh, I wouldn't say that protection because uh, he's pretty prideful. Uh, but, you know, like you just said, to not have to be that guy, but maybe he wants to take on that challenge because he knows in, a, in most places, he's just not going to get the opportunities that he would with the jets. Uh, and, and it would be easy for him. He could, he could, fly around the field a little bit more free because he knows the system uh, and the concepts in which uh, they're going to be implementing. And so not only are you getting those reps that you won't, because these guys want to play, man, you know, if they didn't, if they didn't want to play, they, they, they'd retire, you know, these guys want to go out, they want reps. And what happens is when they get older, usually their reps get taken from them and they basically say, Hey, you're not good enough to start. Uh, this is a unique situation for him where, he can go somewhere where he's going to get the reps he wants uh, and also the attention that he wants because it's New York. And if he wins here, uh, if he has a four interception season, Jets win seven, eight games. I mean, that'll look great for Sherman, especially in this market. Um, I mean, again, I wouldn't get crazy with any three, four year deals, obviously, or nothing like that. But uh, if you could bring him in for just even this year, uh, why guys like Hall just get under their belts a little bit, a little bit, you know, just to just get a little bit of something, but cause I'm looking at what's out there and there's not a lot right now. I don't know if there's any cuts coming in camp, you know? Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, we'll just have to see. I mean, I guess they, I guess they believe in, in these young guys. Um, mm -hmm. Speaking of these young guys, uh, we got the, we had the rookie, uh, the Jets had the rookie OTAs uh, this past weekend. Um, Kyle, this, this from your standpoint, uh, what have you saw? What have you uh, learned from that? And what are the expectations for this team coming out for um, this season coming up? Um, I said from what everything I'm hearing, you know, everyone has a pretty much positive vibe of what's going on, um, especially with, um, with our new quarterback, Zach Wilson. You know, they're saying he's, you know, showing that, that leader um, presence you know, from day one. So, you know, that's definitely a positive. Um, like seeing some of the, uh, so some of the videos going around, uh, one of the ones I was most, uh, I guess, impressed with is seeing 
uh, Elijah Moore running some of those routes. Like this guy's, uh, his, uh, his change of direction ability is just very, like it's amazing to watch. Like when he really sticks his leg in the dirt and uh, makes his cuts, it's, it's very impressive. So um, as I said, I believe, you know, so far, you know, so far, so good. Uh, we'll definitely see how things, uh, you know, transpire as the, the regular can't start. Um, uh, so one person I'm definitely looking to see, hopefully, you know, most likely or to make the team is our, our, our kicker that came in, uh, Chris Nugar. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, there's been videos of him, uh, I think it was on uh, Twitter, kicking like a 71-yard field goal. So that that's, definitely, that's definitely something, you know, to, you know, to hopefully be, you know, happy about coming into the season with our the kicking bowls that we've had over the past couple of years. Uh, <laughs> and I guess the kicking rolls haven't been so great for us neither because we still got Sam Ficking on on the sideline too. So uh, <laughs> it's, it hasn't been really impressive. <laughs> so, how, so what's your feelings on on that, Daniel, on uh, the rookie OTAs? What what have you uh seen and learned from that? And what's the expectations for the team? Yeah, I mean, anyone that knows me knows I hate kickers, man. It's nothing personal. <laughs> I just, they touch the field twice a game and, you know, they determine so much. And it's just punters I like a little bit better. Um, but uh, the, the kickers, man, they just, I have so many hurtful memories as a Jet fan dealing with kickers. And, and, yeah. when you, and when you look at when the Jets are good, they have a solid field goal kicker. Why? because they matter so much to the game. You know, those little points add up three, six, nine. It's just like you wind up losing by 14 points, you know, and this team field goal kicked you away and that's how they edged you. And you're like, wow, man, we thought we matched up with them, but they had a good field goal kicker we made four field goals today. So, I mean, you look at uh, uh, what Zerline, Greg Zerline was able to do the last few years, uh, you know, for the Rams, I mean, wow, he was just killing it. And so, I mean, especially when you have a young quarterback and you're going to get into a lot of situations where, the, you know, the drive's going to stall out and, you know, he maybe doesn't have it. But you'll be in situations where, all right, well, you know, we can line up here and maybe get three. Our defense is playing tough. You know, we can inch our way to this win. And when you have a horrible field goal kicker, it changes how you call the football game. And, you know, even for a guy like Adam Gase, who, who wasn't very good at anything here, but at the, <laughs> but at the same time, you, you know, it changes the way you call plays when certain things don't align. You know, when you have all the tools you need in the basket, it makes it easier. Now on third down, you're saying, I got to push the ball down the field here a little bit because I don't trust my field goal kicker, you know, well, or you're, yeah. or, or if it's, or if it's a close kick, you're like, I, I don't even think he's, he's good enough for this. I got to get closer. So now I, I'm calling different plays or, you know, uh, it's just one of those things where you bring in a guy like like Nagar, you know, a guy who has a big leg, you know, he's known to kick those, you know, 50 plusers, you know. So I'm I'm hopefully the kid's good and he's solid. Uh, he made 17 to 21 field goals for his college team last season. If he could just, you know, make some some nice tough kicks, make this team. That's just really what I'm looking for. I know uh, a Hodge. Uh, I think is it Chris Hodge, uh, Tristan, 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 Tristan Hodge, yeah. Tristan Hodge, uh, Merrill Hodge's uh, nephew, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you, you know, listen, uh, 
I think it's awesome when you bring in at least one or two guys from, especially the quarterback position, a guy that he could kind of relate with, you know, he played with your quarterback, someone he could just kind of chat with every once in a while. Uh, and I think that's good. And, and listen, he plays a position that you need guard <laughs> offensive line. I mean, I you bring all the guards and, and all the centers and all the tackles in uh, just to see what you have. Uh, the Jets are rebuilding this thing and, and the more bodies, the better. And listen, if Hamlakar Rashad, if he could get things back to his previous 2019 year, maybe you got something to look at. Uh, I think that uh, right there, the Jets, again, another position, I think, People were taken off guard when you looked at this draft. A lot of people were upset. The Jets went safety, safety, safety. And it's like, wait, well, hold on a little bit. Just relax. Uh, look at how your defensive coordinator and how your, your coach calls his defense. He doesn't have uh, typical linebackers that you're used to seeing. Uh, he wants guys who are athletic enough to move around the field and cover, but also be strong enough to come up and put a hit and tackle. Well, who is that? That's a safety. And when you look at these safeties now, these days, they're a little bit different. They're not, uh, they're, they're, they're just more athletic. The players today are more athletic. So you look at some of the guys that we drafted um, uh, two, two out of the three safeties that we drafted are moving to outside linebacker. Uh, it's going to give the jets length in those lanes. Uh, I think it's a good idea. And you're finally drafting and bringing in people that meet the scheme and that meet the play calling of what's going to be on the field. And one last guy, I guess I would say is uh, Kenny Yaboa. That's another guy. Uh, tight ends, a big yeah. position for the jets and for this offense. Uh, and it always has been. And um, you know, listen, uh, we're going to see what Herndon's got. It's going to be his last shot. You know um, the, the, there's no, there's, there's no incentive to keep him. Um, and so he has the athletic ability to go out there and do some things. And so, I'm excited. I'm excited for the Jets roster. I'm excited for, from what I've heard. I mean, you can't really, uh, you can't say too much about some of these rookie mini camps. I mean, there's only so much, a lot of it's drill, you know, type of things, but uh, it's new, it's fresh. And, and you got to be excited. If you're a Jets fan and you're upset and you're pessimistic, then, you know, I don't want to hear you when they, when they start doing good things, you know, we've, we're all going through this as jet fans, not just, not just you. So be a little bit excited. Don't, I'm not saying crown them uh, or put a playoff spot in their bag quite yet. But um, what I am saying is, is that it seems like the organization from top to bottom is finally getting its head together uh, and they're letting football people make football decisions. And I think that also, like you could tell there's a different feeling from what we saw from Joe Douglas and Gase last year for what we see with Joe Douglas and Salah, like, especially with the draft, like, look, look how Joe Douglas and, and Gase was. It, it looked it's so quiet. <laughs> it looked <laughs> so quiet. It's so horrible that you, that you just standing there like, Oh my goodness. Like what the hell is going to happen? And you can tell Joe Douglas was just sitting there like, uh, this is not my people and this is not how I want to go down. And when we see it from Joe Douglas and Salah, we see, we see nothing but great things. Um, even, even got Chris and Chris, Chris and Woody Johnson uh, talking good. So hopefully, hopefully it'll stay that way. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, you know, but it's for right now it was keeping us Jets fans calm. Um, I know a couple of Jets fans wanted uh, Phil's uh, Mac Jones, but, 
it is what it is. And I'm 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 and I'm a and I'm a Wilson fan. So I was I was happy with the pick, you know. So I'm I'm just hoping at the end of the day that this this is this is this is our way and this is the best way and hopefully we can finally get a Super Bowl because it's been a long time. Like we've been hurt mm-hmm. so many times, especially with Sanchez. Uh I hate to say his name, Sanchez and um also, with Vinny Testaverde, he had a chance to go to the Super Bowl, and just it was just too late. Our opportunities was there, and just it just wasn't there. So I'm just hoping for a different change, a different change of scenery. Absolutely. I mean, you look at how this draft was orchestrated, and I loved how Joe drafted last year. And remember, that was the first draft uh, that he had was last year. So this is only his second draft. I mean, people have to remember that Max spent most of the pieces and Max football decisions were questionable. His cap decisions were a lot better. Uh, He left the Jets in a good situation with the money and the way the contracts were kind of doled out there. Um, But at the end of the day, uh, his football acumen just didn't match. Uh, It seems like he was chasing names uh, more than drafting um, for for what's going to be there. But that makes sense because the Jets were backwards. You know, you let a GM draft guys and you bring in a coach who doesn't match the players that you draft. I mean, it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Uh, it was just a headbutt situation. And like you said, um, you know, this is different. You know, he's bringing in people. He's erasing what was there before while keeping the few pieces that make sense. And, you know, this roster is becoming their own. And like when you just go down the line, Zach Wilson fits the scheme. Elijah Vera Tucker fits the scheme because in the Jets, in the Jets system, bringing in John Benton, uh, offensive line coach, in that wide zone blocking scheme, you need guys to block not just up and down, but you need guys left and right to get to the second level. Athletic guys, not just big monsters. Like you know, a lot of Jet fans wanted Deontay Brown, you know, big monster guy from Alabama. That's not what the Jets need. They need guys that can move in space and push up and. You know, uh, there's going to be a rotation of backs, uh, very good backs, uh, complementary backs, and they run in different styles and different ways. And you need to have guys athletic enough to to pick that up and move with these guys. And um, I, I do, and, and not just at the play action, you got to be able to fake it and sell it. And I just, you know, I I I just love what they do. They they did to give up two third round picks basically to get the best rated guard with tackle two guard. Uh, in the draft and then if you know there's some flexibility issues let's say a guy like Fant gets hurt you know you could say hey talk you know can can you move to the right for a game or two he'd say hey no problem it's just going to make him look better as a guard make him more versatile get more money in his pocket then you go ahead and you draft Elijah Moore you give him a a bang offensive weapon and go out on the outside and, and really change and maybe take the top off of the defense while still bringing in you know, Corey Davis, having Mims, keeping Crowder, which I hope that goes all the way through because, and then you have Keelan Cole. I mean, you're giving your young quarterback weapons. You're not going to make the same mistake of the people before you. You bring in Michael Carter, you bring in Coleman, you re-sign Adams, you re-sign, you keep Johnson on the roster. You know, you have a rotational uh, piece and you give the team depth. And especially, you know, Robert Sala and LaFleur saw firsthand last year you know, you're talking about a Super Bowl team, a Super Bowl contending team, you know, all of a sudden they're nowhere near that because of injuries. So they had a firsthand seat. like, hey, man, we got to build the depth here. And so then they get they go ahead and they draft Sherwood. They draft Michael Carter. They draft Jason Pinnock. They start building some depth there so they could start testing it out. 
Because to me, this is the bottom floor. You were two-win team last year. AFC East just got better. The AFC in general is going to be the dominant conference for a long time running. So this is the time to bring in some of these young developmental guys who might be able to fit your system long-term. So you don't have to waste big money on outside linebackers. You don't have to trade up and get guys you don't want. You trade up and get guys that fit your scheme. And so I'm loving what I'm seeing right now. You know, I can't put any guarantees on wins or anything yet until I see it all on the field, but I think you got to love what you're seeing from Joe Douglas and what you're seeing from uh, the staff right now. Yeah, not last but not least, I think the only guy, I think other than May, I think the only guy is Mosley left. And I think I, I would say Mosley is kind of putting the question mark there because of him only playing like two games, not even two games, maybe one and a half or or maybe like a half and one quarter. I don't know, but it's very questionable because remember, Matt gave him that big contract. And I'm hoping I'm I'm hope well, Jets fans are hoping that he comes back as the, the Mosley he was before he left out of uh, Baltimore to come to come here. And if anything happens to him, Lord, Lord knows I don't want it to happen, but I can see him being gone too, because this is, this, if it was Joe Douglas, he wouldn't have gave him that kind of money that Matt gave him. Sure. Absolutely. But right now you do got him and yeah, it, seems, exactly. it seems like he's ready to go. And I mean, to just, for the Jets to get a, a players of that talent level, like just kind of like, oh, well, I'm just here now, I think is amazing. Like for a young team to just be like, oh, we just got Mosley. Because the way you look at it, he hasn't really been on your football team. But I, yes. I but but he's it's not like he had like a life-changing injury. He just got hurt. He needed a lot of time to heal. And then he right. was out. He was out for COVID reasons. So I'm assuming he's still going to be. It may take him, a, you know, a few games to get acclimated. But I'm pretty sure he's still going to be a very, very good linebacker. And I think for a head, for a head coach to just walk into that guy, just to to just he's all he just oh he's on your roster. I think. I mean, that's awesome. Again, uh, I, this Jets defense, man. I'm looking at it and. I'm kind of getting excited. I just, I, I try to temper my excitement I really because they, I don't want to be let down, but I'm really liking the pieces that they're bringing in. Everybody's just fitting what they're trying to do. Like I said, I just think a corner right now, a guy like, because the, here's the thing. It's a really young team, but sure. Sherman, he's, he's a respectable dude, but he's not going to get crazy. He's not that guy who can go out there and dictate a game and even so you got guys like Mosley there guys like Q Williams guys with a lot of talent on that side of the ball too to kind of keep you honest so I, I mean I say bring him in let's let let bring him in and then you have some really good talent I mean you got Lawson you got Rankins you got Q Will you know you got Mosley you got May you got Sherman now you got some vets and then you got some good players on your defense to start your first rebuild year. I think that's awesome. And that's not even accounting for any of the young guys like Hall or Austin or Sherwood or these types of guys who might pop for you out with, uh, throughout the season. And Blake Cashman, my boy, Blake Cashman. I hope he can stay healthy. <laughs> oh yeah. I forgot. Yeah. You yeah. have Blake Cashman on the show too. So not to, not to mention that. Hopefully he'll, he'll come back strong. Cause um. We have we we saw much much of him, and I think he was he was starting to you know gel gel in before his injury. So hopefully we'll we'll see something great from him this season as well. Um, 
<laughs> Daniel, I know you want to talk about this, so I'm, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you. Uh, let you have the floor with this one. Uh, Tim Tebow actually signed with the Jags, which is hilarious. Uh, he's gonna play as a tight end. Last time he played was eight years ago. Go, go, go for it, Daniel. <laughs> yes, look, okay. If you if they would have just played Tim Tebow's game of football, and and although the game wasn't trending that way, and it, it was definitely weird, it was working. It and the reason why it was working is because Denver always had that setup where they had good rotational backs, right? And good offensive lines. That was Denver's thing. And so he starts, they start off one and four and Tebow comes in and they start winning and it doesn't always look pretty, but in the fourth quarter, it sometimes it looks damn good. And he, he wins a lot of games, goes for 360 something yards on the number one defense and beats them, gets to the second round, loses to the new England Patriots who go on, if I'm not mistaken, to either win the Super Bowl or lose in the Super Bowl, but they went to the Super Bowl that year. Okay, against Tom Brady, it's not an easy feat. Many people lose that, including the best quarterback in the world, which is Patrick Mahomes. So you say, okay, let's load up next year, right? Now, I understand what Denver did. I understand getting Peyton Manning was, if you have a chance to get a guy like that, you do it, and obviously it worked out. But man, imagine if you could have had Tim Tebow learning under the same system and you draft differently, right? Instead of looking at, you know, receivers that are going to necessarily take the top off of the defense, you look for, for running backs, you look for offensive linemen, you, you basically build a wall and you wear teams down because that is basically what they were doing. They were wearing teams down. Tim wasn't very accurate. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, he would, he would just turn it on. He just has that ability to just turn it on. He always did it when he played. He didn't get a fair shake with the Jets. He didn't get a fair shake with any other team because they were trying to use him as a gadget player. You got to use him as an offensive weapon. You got to run the ball down people's throats and you got to do use play action and you got to use his athletic ability on the outside and make things easy for him. And I think if they would have done that, I think Tim would have still been in the league as a quarterback for quite a bit longer than what you think, but you got to commit to it. That style of play, you can't go half and half. And who's going to put their coaching career on the line to basically play old school football? So I understand why they moved on from the type of style that Tim Tebow played. Now, him coming to Jacksonville now, that's a different story because now he's playing tight end. He's never played tight end before. Yeah, he's athletic and all this other stuff. I think once he gets the ball in his hand, I think he could be dangerous still. This is a guy that's still very athletic. He's still very big. He's still very strong and still very determined. I think the way Urban Meyer is going to use him is going to be different. Like we see Tim Tebow lined up at tight end. That's not how they're going to use Tim. I think you'll probably see Tim if he makes the team, which I think by giving him a year contract he's in, I think they're going to use him probably eight to 10 times a game. They they, may not even touch the ball those eight to 10 times a game. He might be lined up. They might put him in fullback, tight end. They might do even some quarterback stuff with them too as well. Uh, goal line situations, they might put him in there. Why get your young quarterback and Trevor Lawrence crunched up 
and goal line situations when you can have a guy like Tim Tebow who's magic in those areas, who can get you those extra first downs. Why do I want my Trevor Lawrence's 6'6 arm shoved up in that pile and, and with, with the big nasties to get a half a yard when I could bring this 240 pound or he'll wind up to be probably a, after training camp, probably about 235, a 235 pound monster in here to come here and take and get my extra yards. And so I think before we judge it, right, before we throw it out the window, let's see what he does with Urban Meyer, considering this coach, he had the most success and, and, and was one of the best college quarterbacks you know, and had the, one of the best uh, college quarterback seasons in his time in college of all time under Urban Meyer. Let's see what he could do in the pros and how he uses Tim in this new age where run pass options are way more accepted uh, than they were even eight to 10 years ago. Uh, and using gadget players are a lot more accepted. Situational guys are a lot more accepted. Um, and, and so I, I'm excited. I think this is another headline for sports junkies like ourselves to get into and to pay attention to. And it's great for the NFL to bring more attention because Tim Tebow has got a, like a crazy fan base uh, and, and it's only going to be better for the NFL. Yeah. Uh, before you say something, Kyle, uh, if it wasn't for you saying what you said, Daniel, I was going to say, throw it out the window. <laughs> the day, the what, what he did for the Jets, it just didn't seem like it, it worked out. But I, I get what you were saying, like, because he didn't get too much of an opportunity. But it just seemed like it was just the wrong fit for Tebow, you know? And it was just the wrong move at the wrong time. And it was just a sad situation. I don't know what he He's going to like eight years because he has been playing baseball. So it's good that he kept himself, you know, athletic and built up. So hopefully it'll work out. Maybe Urban Meyer got 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 some type of plan here. Um, go go right ahead, Kyle. My my apologies. <laughs> That's all right. Um, as I said to me, I think this is more. It it kind of has like a feel of like a a, a make a wish type of thing where. <laughs> <laughs> playing football again and he he's he he meets up with his old coach and is like you know can can I get a shot and he's like oh yeah sure you know we, we'll get you in at tight end that's that's a spot that we can get you in and not have you know too much collateral damage from you know but I don't know like to me for someone being off so long to return to the sport and be put in a you know a possible situation where you know he's in the, the trenches and stuff like that like right. I said, I'm, as athletic as he is, like he still looks like he's in great shape. Think about it like this. Look at the production or look at what a year off did to Le'Veon Bell. And he was like one of the best backs in the league before he left. So with one year of that happening to Bell and seeing how he came back, I can only imagine what Tebow's um, playing ability is going to be. Oof. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, but for these guys, man, it's, you know, it's different for a guy like Tebow. I mean, he always had to be in shape, you know, and, and when this guy puts in the work, it's to me, I'm not saying it's different than anybody else, but I've met and I've played with people where they just have this, this attitude where it's just different. Like they're just, they're just built different. And like, he's one of those dudes that is just built different. Like he'll will himself to whatever it needs to be. Um, and he'll push himself if you just give him the opportunity to do so. And I think with the Jets, you know, from, from reports that I heard and from what Skip talks about is that 
he was told he was going to be given a fair shot to compete with Mark, like a fair shot to compete with Mark. And that wasn't, and and that wasn't the case when they, when they got there. And, and that's why there was those whisperings and those tensions and stuff. And I can understand that. Listen, Tim's a, like from all the reports that I've heard, it's, it, it says that this dude's a decent dude. I can't see that if that's a real report, like Tim, Tim lying about that or whatever, you know what I mean? And, but I could also see Rex being like, Yo, like I need Mark here, man. Like I need a guy who could throw the ball a little bit better. I'm trying to, you know, but because, but I think if Rex even gave Tim a fair shot, right, it would have fit a lot better because he wanted that. He wanted to run the ball. He wanted to to put it down your throat, and he's got that attitude. Like let's get it. Like he'll give you all he's got. And so I think if I think the thing is too is that. Rex was tied with Sanchez at the hit, the tattoo, the draft, like he was his first guy. <laughs> and you know how, how Rex was about his players and how tight knit and stuff. And so, but I think that if that wasn't the case, and let's say it was just a veteran quarterback there and Tim came in, they probably would have given Tim a, a fair shot. And that's all I was saying is that, and when I tell people this, like you're crazy. And I'm like, no, but look at it as if they actually gave him a fair shot. And they actually played his style of ball at that time years ago, where it was just instead of having five, you know, trying to have like two, like number one receivers and a great slot receiver, you would focus more and have, let me have two, three good rotational running backs, build this offensive line, like get strong tackles and build up on the inside. And they would bully teams to the fourth quarter and gas them out. And that's when Tim would have those plays. I think they could have harnessed that style of football but you got to have – that's got to be a commitment from the top to the bottom. And, again, the way the NFL was trending, nobody was willing to do that, even though we saw in a small sample size what it was capable of doing if you just gave it that shot. And so, it, you know, he's an interesting dude. Um, obviously, there's other players that deserve a chance before Tim Tebow does, but I say this to people all the time in life. I know people who are talented at a lot of things. I mean, you name it, just name anything, any profession, any person, super talented. And they're not getting the shine. They're not getting the deserve. They're not getting the opportunities that other people are getting. You say, why? Because you know why? Some people, they just have the connections. They know people or they get lucky. They just happen to be in someone's face when they when something opens up and they say, oh, we'll just take this person. Or maybe this person has bad luck and they just, or maybe this person doesn't, you know, it's just, there's so many ways in life where things can, can go a certain way. And so people shouldn't look at Tim Tebow and say, well, he's stopping other people from getting an opportunity. Well, no, Tim's getting his opportunity. And I think that if, if you're, it's like, oh, well, if Tim Tebow wasn't here, you're all of a sudden, we're going to make Urban Meyer's team. Not necessarily. So it's like, you know, I think that people, for a guy that seems like he donates a lot of his time to helping people, a lot of his time to being kind to a lot of unfortunate people where others can really give a crap about, um, you know, what others are doing. I think for a guy like him to get another shot, I think that's great, man. And that just shows that not to give up on your dreams, not to give up on the things that you you want to focus on, you know, God or whoever or yourself or your family or whatever it is might take you on a different path. But that doesn't mean that your life or your dreams are necessarily over. Just keep grinding, keep fighting. And you know what? I also notice this too. And sometimes when you're nice to people and when you're good to people, 
you'll you'll put they'll you'll put an impression of yourself on them and so when things happen they might give you a call back and they might say hey tim hey would you be able to do this or would you come out here what do you think about this and he might say you know what yeah because when you're good to people and and those good and 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 they get things they want to share that with those good people and so when you make good bridges you make good connections with people and i think this is what's happening right here and he's he's letting this I would say young man, I mean, 30s is still young, but he's letting this dude, they've had a connection, get a little bit more shine and a little bit more attention. And that's okay. I'm happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, great, great points, Daniel. Like I said, I, without you saying what you're saying, um, I, I would have thought definitely, but that that is, that is some great points, man. You know, and then we definitely appreciate that. Um Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, uh, Devontae Adams made some comments, uh, Kyle, and I know you know about it. Uh, Devontae Adams said if Aaron Rodgers was to leave, he would have to think real hard about, I guess, staying with the Packers, long story short. Uh, what can you see happen in this situation? Because it sounds confusing. They saying he might get, he might get traded. Then they said they're working on a, another contract extension. Like, what is going on? Um, honestly, at this point, I think it's, it's literally a coin toss at this point to, to decide whether or not he's going to stay or go. Um, you know, he has, to me, one of the better opportunities by staying. You know, he still has his man, Adams, that, you know, his go-to man in terms of, you know, getting stuff done. But, you know, I know it's the, it's the front office that uh, apparently he has an issue with, you know, similar to what um, Deshaun's going through. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't see, I don't see him. I don't see him leaving, but at the same time, um, based on like the type of character, I think he is like, I think he's a very uh, like strong-minded person. So it's either he's not going to play or, you know, so by some miracle, he, they, they find something, uh, you know, someone, a suitor to, um, to trade him. It's very tough. Um, and this situation is very tough. I think for Rogers, I'll be, I, I will, I will hope he, he would stay and finish his career with green Bay, but yeah, that's a very tough situation. And then Rogers make a hell of a lot of money, uh, in this last contract extension. Actually. Well, right now, I believe, um, if he was to get traded, uh, his he still has three years left. So, uh, the next three years, I believe, this year he would make fourteen mil, and then the next two years is twenty five. So, whoever gets him, if they Not do get bad. a trade, will we'll get a pretty decent bargain for you know a legendary quarterback that he is. <laughs> right, and I know good friend Connor Rogers that that's been on the show before. He actually pictured Rodgers going to the 49ers because he's from uh, California, per se, and that that would have been crazy if that was to, well, if that was to happen. But it can't happen no more because Trey Lance is now over there, so it's it's just crazy. And um, we'll see what happens with with Rodgers per se. Uh, Jesus. Um, let's let's go let's go to uh, Jason McCordy. Uh, I know he signed with the Dolphins. Um. What what can he bring to that? What can he bring to the Dolphins per per se? Because because you know they already have a good cornerbacks, 
So what what you think he could do? Um, I said so for me, I think that's more of a a, a veteran thing, like to to bring in someone of of his caliber. Um, like there's because I said they do have two very good corners already, and they drafted they drafted two corners. Um, well, one corner, one safety. Um, one of the guys that I actually liked in the in the draft, and um, Javon Hollins from um Oregon. Like yeah. uh, he's he's a pretty good player that can play both um, safety and uh, slot corner. So, um, like I said to me, I just think he's he's just a, a veteran piece. Kind of, it's kind of similar to a Sherman type of thing, someone that you could bring in that has, you know, that championship experience. You know, to come into your team and just you know, be that that little extra, you know, to to help out the the younger guys that you already have on the team. But don't they have uh, a couple of cornerbacks that they had signed last year, plus Xavier Howard? Uh, yeah. So, and what's the, the guy from the Cowboys? Um, Jones. Yeah. So basically, they basically just getting extra leverage, which is not which is not good for us Jets. But yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> they getting that extra leverage, man, and it's just. It's just uh, oh Jesus. I don't even want to think about that right now. I think I think we'll be fine. <laughs> um and I guess the last the last topic, uh Eric Flowers. Uh is it Eric Flowers or is it oh sorry, I almost got the name wrong. Um Eric Fisher has signed <laughs> with the coach. Uh, Eric Fisher, I know he's coming back from injury. Um could he could he still make good? Could he still make make something uh do something basically do something coming out of injury and i think it was october he's coming out of injury um like i said but this guy i i would believe so um it's just i guess to see how fast he um he heals up from his achilles injury um i know they were saying like the in the beginning part of his his career he was pretty consistent in terms of um playing um i think he had started like 100 and 13 uh games out of 117 and the 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 time that he missed the the most i think was in uh uh 2019 i believe um he had a torn muscle so like he uh was able to recover from that come back the following year and play you know 15 games that year before he ended up getting injured in late part of the season so He's shown a history that he's been able to recover from an injury, and that's pretty recent, you know, two years ago. Uh, he's 30, so, you know, it's, I guess a look, it's a look to be seen. But um, he's going to be uh, put on the, if I'm mistaken, they're looking to slot him at the, the left side. So even if he does have, you know, a little bit of a, a step down in production, um, I think being next to, um, you know, Quentin Nelson, it was probably one of the best guards in, in the league right now would, you know, can probably make up for any uh, lack of, of skill set that he might have lost, you know, due to his injury. And last but not least, I think it's to protect Wentz because we don't know what we're going to see from Wentz <laughs> yeah. coming, coming from the Colts. And hopefully he'll, he'll do something good, but we don't know what we're going to see out there. Um, uh, I, I, I mean, last but not least, uh, 
um, Daniel, last last question to you before we leave up out of here. Um, what, like, if you if so far for what you for what you saw from Salah and um and from JD, what what would you grade the Jets draft and the free agent signings? Uh, if I had to put a grade on it, um, the free agent signings, I would say B minus um, because I thought they could have did more with the offensive line. But I under also understand Joe Douglas and what he said in his first press conference and, you know, uh, last year. And he was talking about how they want to build through the draft. And, you know, he tried that last year getting an offensive line grouping in one free agency and draft class. And it didn't work, but you did get some pieces that you could bring over into this year. And he went into the draft with ammunition and traded up and got one of the best guards coming out. So the left side of your offensive line is now secure. Uh, You know, McGovern gets another shot at center with more protection on his left. Uh, it's going to be a fight there for the right guard position. And, you know, and then you have fan on the right, on the right side, but everything will be in front of Zach Wilson instead of having to worry about what's coming from your blind side constantly. So I, I really, really respected that. And that kind of bumped the overall grade up to me um, to be an A as far as free agency and draft class. Now, if they were to go and make the playoffs, win a Super Bowl, that type of thing, then you, you could really look back and, and say it was, you know, it was Joe's draft class, you know, that he put this together and, and even just some of his free agent moves, you know, um, even when he couldn't make any decisions with the Jets when he first came here, bringing in Burgess Jr., you know, within 13 games, he's a leading tackler on the Jets and he just picked him up off the, you know, the scrap heap pretty much. You know, the guy has an eye for talent. He's been around the NFL a long time doing a bunch of different things. And even if the jets didn't bring in Joe Douglas, uh, he would have been picked up. He was one of those hot GM candidates coming out at the time. And so the jets got, you know, one of the hottest GM candidates. They have one of the, the hottest coaching candidates they have within a year or two. If the jets do well, it's going to be LaFleur, one of the hottest offensive coordinators, uh in the game and so they've got money in the bank next year 51 plus million probably uh this is their time to put this roster together and it'll be one of the if they do it right it'll be one of the faster rebuilds you've seen but it it is a legit rebuild and you know this is a legit defense and so i tell people all the time you know look at the individual play you know um there's plenty of quarterbacks who you could see the talent there, but the team sucked. Um, and and and, and that, you look at Herbert and what he was able to put together. You look at what Joe Burrows was able to put together before he got hurt. You know, I want to see a little magic, man. And, you know, it's time for the Jets to have a damn number one quarterback, not a guy that's floating yes. around 25, 30, you know, top 18. <laughs> I got, I got, I want a guy <laughs> in the top five, you know, I want a bang, bang down the field quarterback. Let's get it. Play action, little athletic ability. Like I just want to see something. Uh, I'm in it. And if it's going to, if it's going to happen for me, I think it's going to happen this time. I mean, you can't find a better GM coaching staff player kind of, everything together with the money and all the picks and at the same time and the owner coming out and saying, we're going to let the GM do what he needs to do. Like all of that is all at the same time. 
And, and, and it just, it, you're not going to find a collection of, of pieces better than this. If, if this doesn't work, uh, uh, it, it's kind of hard to say where the Jets go from here. And, but, they, mm-hmm. but they've got all the starting pieces for sure. Yeah, and I think we all will be some very upset Jets fans if it goes sour. If it goes really, really bad, I think it's going to go really – I think we we'll all will be really pissed off for a long yeah. time coming. Yeah. <laughs> and especially, um, adding, especially adding if um, if Sam actually takes off, then, yeah, that'll – Oh, everybody... please don't, don't say that. <laughs> he not, should that, play well. I mean, they have problem. weapons out there. He should play yeah, well. I mean, uh, ju- here's another thing I want to throw out there that because, you know – uh, the you know the Jets are known for being a team that doesn't do right. The one thing that Joe has been trying to do is you know he's been taking care of these players that he's been getting rid of from from the old regime. You know like Williamson and you know you know you Tampa they sent um, uh, McClendon and you know yeah. like they 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 sent Sam to you know uh, to the Panthers and that's a good scenario from him. I mean that guy was someone that was going to be a coaching candidate for you before you hired Adam Gase. Like if you would have allowed Matt rule to bring in his own staff, he probably would have been the jets head coach. And so he sent it to a good place with a receiver that he knows that, that Joe admitted that he, he really should have signed Robbie Anderson in his last press conference, uh, his first press conference of last year. He's, you know, he, he said, I basically messed that one up. And so he sent them to a good place, got McCaffrey out there. So at least offensively, they should do all right. I mean, it's not going to be easy. Their schedule is not going to be easy. I don't think they're going to be a very good team. Uh, but Sam, there should be no excuses on Sam. He should have every all the tools that he needs to be a decent quarterback or more. And if he's not, then he's everything that I thought he was, which is, you know, pretty much mediocre, you know. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. I'm about to say, because you know, I argue with fans about about how I how I am with with, with um Darnold and USC. Just USC quarterbacks in general, especially Sanchez. <laughs> and there's no disrespect, but it's just something about bad luck with USC quarterbacks that gets to me. And I knew it wasn't going to work out with Sam Donald. And I remember when Sam Donald got drafted, I was at work. Oh, I was ready to slam my phone down. I was ready <laughs> to do a lot of things. And it was just not a, it was not a good look for, for Donald. And, you know, I, for me, I wish nothing but the best for him now and maybe he'll succeed, but this is the best chance for him to, to, to basically prove a lot of people wrong, including myself, you know? So uh, I wish, wish him nothing but the best. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, when you look at Sam too, man, listen, uh, I, I was really big on him, and but the third year is really big on me. And his ability to read the field started to regress, which was yeah. really scary. And he would lock on to one receiver so much. I mean, it would make it so easy for defenses to be able to play him. And because the Jets weren't able to run the ball consistently, there was no protection for him. And so uh, it was it was a tough watch to really watch him play football. And it was really tough to watch Joe Flacco uh, play better than him with with legit the same weapons. You know, that was the big thing with Sam. Right. Is that, oh, well, wait till he gets his weapons. And then, you know, Flacco got the test drive first. And then all of a sudden, you know, in Baltimore, and he like, they, they were putting up some, like, I'm, I'm, he's hitting Crowder in ways that I haven't seen, you know, Darnold do. And they're, you, they're using the pieces the way they're supposed to offensively. And this is from a guy who's on the back end of his career. He's a backup with just a big arm. And he was reading the field better than Sam and, and, and played better than Sam. And, 
everyone got mad at me and, and, and they were upset and on Jets guru, man. And I'm just like, Hey, listen, I gave this guy every shot and every chance. I know this team isn't good, but I've seen stellar quarterback play on bad teams, you know? And, and, and I think if you have a new coach, a new offensive coordinator, all these picks and money, and you didn't draft this kid and nobody in the building drafted this kid, why are you just going to hand the next book to him? Just, Oh, well, here you go. Just give it to him. Cause you're here and you're young. There's plenty of young quarterbacks. You have the number two pick. Go get your guy. Go go stamp your legacy with someone who comes from something that you want, not that someone had a plan for two two shifts ago, and now you're going to use their same their same stuff. Nah, man. Listen, let this kid start over. Let us start over, and hopefully these Jet fans, and they see this kid play, and Robert Sala was very serious about it, and you know why I knew he was serious about it? It's because he went out, and you already had Crowder, but I'm going to get Keelan Cole. And then everyone thought, oh, well, Crowder's getting cut, and then he drafted Elijah Moore. And then he comes out and he says, well, we didn't get Elijah Moore to cut Crowder. We got Elijah Moore to add to the group, which is exactly what I've been saying all offseason. Why take away from this wide receiver group when you can add to it knowing how many receivers and quarterbacks and tight ends and offensive linemen get hurt every single game, it seems like. So (laughs) I I love the way he's building this team, at least on paper, and they just got to put it together. Yeah. um, Thank thank you so much for joining us, Daniel. This was was very very much an honor for you to come on here. Uh, come on here. Sorry about that. Uh, basically, you could follow the him and the Jets Guru uh, on Twitter at Google Jets, Instagram at Jets Guru, also Facebook and podcast Jets Guru. Um, you're available on, on every streaming platform, right? On the podcast. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple, Spotify, any of that, you just type in Jets Guru, you can find us. And we also have a YouTube page that we're trying to build up. And so go on YouTube, uh, type in Jets Guru, and you'll find us there as well. All right. That's that's great. Um, like I said, me, myself and Kyle would like to thank you for joining us. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully one of us will get on, get on uh, the, the YouTube channel, which are one of those days, but, you know, <laughs> but other than that, um, that's it for our podcast. Again, uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter, Just Fans Podcast. We do this for y'all every week. Until next time, we're taking flight. Take flight. Take flight.